welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. In a greater story, Acts chapter 9, uh, we're going to start in verse number 1. Let's read it together. So it says, Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous, threat, murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So that he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them uh, as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days. He was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. Now, verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim the name to the Gentiles, uh, to the Gentiles and their kings and to be uh, into the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may again be filled, so you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Uh, let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we love you. God, I thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, my prayer is simple. God, thank you for a sweet time of worship. Thank you for everyone here. Uh, God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, uh, would you have this time, God? Would you fill me and uh, use me for your glory, Lord? God, I pray for anyone that's here that may not know you, God, that would, uh, that would not be the case when they leave. God, I pray for the saints that we would be equipped and edified to be your church. Uh, God, I pray that you would continue to bring revival in this place, God. Wake your church up uh, to continue to be the people you've called us to be. Lord, I surrender myself and uh, I ask you to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the story today is a big one, all right? We're going to see the conversion of Saul. But before we get into that, I I have to share a personal story uh, of mine, of really the the reality that that Jesus uh, has miracle-working power, that Jesus changes lives. See, uh, uh, I've not always done this. In fact, 
Uh, I grew up, I went to school, I went to college, I became a teacher and, uh, and really was into coaching and, um, and man, really kind of cut my teeth uh, into the world doing that, right? I was a uh, uh, go to church a, a couple times a month my whole life, um, uh, met Jesus in college and, and largely just wanted my ministry to be uh, loving and coaching kids, teaching kids about U.S. history, uh, building a house on a family farm, living it out for 30 days, uh, and then, I mean, 30 years or so, 40 years or so, uh, and then going home to meet Jesus. Well, uh, I, I, growing up, had a man in my life, uh, my uncle, my Uncle Barry. Um, and so my, my dad and my uncle um, were three years apart, and they decided to take different paths, okay? Um, my dad took more of the straight and narrow route, like the one that kind of turned out, you know what I mean? And, uh, and did right, got the degree, got the job, and my Uncle Barry decided to take uh, the left, right? Which is to not go the straight and narrow, all right? Um, is anybody in the family kind of have a, a black sheep somewhere? Does that make sense? Uh, well, that's the route he decided uh, to take. Um, and that, man, he uh, was a bit of well-known in small towns. You guys know small towns, right? Uh, well, he was a well-known man in small towns, and it wasn't uh, for good reasons, okay? Uh, he was um, uh, avidly on the weekends, man. Uh, a bar fight was nothing for him. You know what I mean? Uh, he had to look for it. Uh, he looked like a daggum Daniel Boone with red hair, red beard, okay, if, if you're tracking. Modern-day John the Baptist type, and uh, he was a tough man. But, man, I want to tell you something. He and I had such a, a great relationship. He taught me how to hunt. He spent quality time with me, uh, loved me. Um, he, he wore this necklace that had this big hog tooth right here. What he did for a living uh, is take people hog hunting on the weekend, okay? And, um, and so I, I say all that to say is that he was well known for being the one that was too far gone. You guys with me? Um, every weekend was the same thing, uh, the, the drinking and the, the, the things that, that is debauchery. And, and I can remember even before I got saved, uh, we spent some time uh, in college one weekend and, and we were going to come up and we were going hunting, right? And he was going to come scout with me up in Anderson. Well, the Friday night went so hard, the hunt never happened on Saturday. You guys tracking? And that we did some things that now, man, I look back and I think, man, that was, that was wrong. And man, that, that was a big deal to God. So I'm not uh, uh, just, just wiping that over and saying that's not a big deal. No, it was. But man, I'm, I'm telling you, that was a lot of his life. It was a trajectory that was not wrong. I can remember him taking the Lord's name in vain many times and just really outright just being opposite of God cursing the name of God. And this, this track record that was just not good. Well, when then God began to work and stir in my life, right, um, and, and he began to move me, uh, he began to put it on my heart to pray for my Uncle Barry, right? And, and again, this is the guy in my life who is too far gone, right? Like his whole life has been the opposite of godliness, Man, he was the one that went too far. Man, I, I began to pray, but I'll be honest with you. Can you guys, can we be honest at church? Y'all good with that? As I wrote it in my journal, I remember the thing, this is a waste of this pen. This is a waste of this ink. But I began to pray. And as I began to pray, uh, God was growing me, growing me in prayer. You know, Jamie talked about that. And, um, and this man moved into town, this guy uh, who was an avid outdoorsman, just like my uncle. And he was good at it. 
right? And I, and I watch God in his uniqueness and his uh, sovereignty bring someone into his life that loved Jesus yet was phenomenal outdoors. He used to be the cameraman for Jury Boys Outdoors growing up, right? In his 20s. And man, my uncle just connected with this guy. And this dude was on fire for the Lord. Well, as I was praying and this guy's building the bridge, begins to hunt with my uncle, this guy who is way too far gone, um, I, I got called and asked to preach. Again, I'm a teacher, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a coach, I want nothing to do with ministry, but my pastor said, hey, I, I think I want you to speak. And man, the first time I got up there to preach, and I'm gonna tell you, man, that was probably the worst sermon ever. This is how I was holding the Bible right here, right? I mean, just petrified. But I looked back there and there's this red mohawk and this big beard on the back corner back yonder. I was like, good gosh, somebody, what is going on in this place? And he was there, man. He came. He showed up. And I'm like, he don't come to church? What is he doing? And man, I preached, and I'll never forget that text message. He said, you did a great job today. I love you. And then I know God just began to, to do this thing in him, man. And three weeks later, my, my, my friend Ronnie, who's building the bridge with this guy, this man that's too far gone. Again, I've seen him curse the name of God. I've seen him hurt people. I've seen things that, that just should disqualify a man from God. And listen, Tony Nolan comes to Tombs County of all places. Uh, Ronnie gets my Uncle Barry to come to this revival service at Tombs County uh, High School. And man, he gives this altar call in front of hundreds now, listen, my, my uncle's not going to be out in crowds. He's going to be in the crowd at the bar scene. He doesn't come to stuff like this. And when he gave that altar call, man, he came down front and he gave his life to Jesus. And he gave it all. There wasn't no, no, no like halfway hand raised. No, he came, he was broken before God and he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. Didn't matter who was around, who was watching. And man, when I got that text and I, and I heard the news, I said, man, God can change anyone. Man, I now know that. Like, like you hear it? Y'all ever heard a testimony? You're like, man, that's amazing. That's good for them. I've never seen it happen in my life. Until that day, I said, man, this is true. And so, so as I, I, I shared this message and he gets saved the following Sunday night, we, we go out and we, we hang deer stands. And, and man, he's telling me, he's like, listen, I don't even know how to tell my friends. Like, they're gonna think I've lost my mind. How do I tell them I'm a Christian? Like, what do I do on the weekend? Right, and he, I mean, he's just new. He's brand new. So we get done hanging deer stands, and, and it's kind of awkward because we never talked about Jesus. I just said, Uncle Barry, I love you. And man, a, a week before, I, I wrote him a letter and just said, hey, man, I'm so glad you came to faith in Christ. Because family members are hard sometimes, aren't they? And I didn't know how to verbalize it, so I wrote him a letter, and man, praise God for that. So we, we get done hanging deer stands um, eight, eight days after he came to faith in Christ on a Saturday night. I wake up, I go to school. I'm assistant principal at the time. My wife and I, uh, we had just adopted two older boys. I'm in my office and we're getting ready for the day. They're about to go to class and I get a phone call. My mom says, Bradley, that's my real name, uh, for those that don't know. I said, you gotta get home. I said, what is it? She just said, get home now. And uh, my, my uncle had gone home for the evening after hanging deer stands, uh, two young men uh, who are under the influence. Uh, there was a home invasion. There was an altercation, and he lost his life. Eight, eight days, right? And, and man, when I get that call and I come, I mean, obviously, there's just this flood of emotion. There's this flood of, of hurt and pain. There's this flood of, of trying to figure this out. 
but yet I, I began to see God's hand in this. And I kid you not, man, God just began to minister my heart. And he said, you stick with me, hang in there, I'm doing something. I haven't forgotten about you. I, I know this situation. And then I began to think about, man, if I believe all that I believe about eternity, man, praise God for God's grace to let him get to that altar. Man, man, his spiritual life might have lasted eight days, but the minute I get done breathing, I can't wait to see him, right? And man, God was incredibly gracious to him. Man, I could think about tight spots we've been in where it's like, man, he might not should have made it out. And yet God met him in that place, the one that was unreachable, he had been reached. Listen, the second time I ever stood in front of a church with a Bible in my hand, I read his letter I wrote him amongst three other pastors, one of them being the evangelist Ronnie that I told you about. When we got done with that funeral, seven people said yes to Jesus Christ uh, at the funeral. And so I say that to say, from that moment, I came to realize, and I want you to live this with me, I want you to hear this with me, uh, that God can change anyone's life. He meets anyone. And man, I, I'll never forget it. People probably thought I was super emotional, but man, God had been stirring my heart toward preaching, and I didn't know what it meant. And so I was, with, I was with my grandparents and taking my aunt back to the airport after the funeral. On the way back, I said, me, mom, papa, I said, listen, I know this is gonna sound crazy. God has called me to preach. Because now I know when this word is open and this gospel is shared, it is available to anyone. Lord, you just send me wherever you want me to go because now I know that it causes the blind to see, the deaf to hear, that, that, that God can change anyone's life. And as we talk about Saul today, it, it's near and dear to my heart because I've seen it. Like I've watched it do it. So the main thing I want you to take with you today is this. We should live with a constant awareness that God can save anyone, and he can use anyone to accomplish his purposes. Hear that again. God can save anyone, and he can use anyone to accomplish his purposes. And so we're going to see this in the life of Saul. So look with me in verse 1, and let's see what happens with Saul, the one that is too far gone. Verse number 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners, that he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So let me explain a little bit who Saul is, okay? So Saul uh, was a Pharisee of Pharisees. What that means is, is that he was a religious elite, keyword religious, okay? Um, to put it in layman's terms, he was the best follower of the law of the Old Testament law that, that he has studied and learned and he was a, a, a man of following the rules that uh, also, as far as education goes, he studied under a man named Gamaliel. This was the, the most famous rabbi. It would have been the same as having a degree from Harvard in Bible, okay? So my man know the word, he could, he could follow the rules well. And what he would do, okay, in, in the depth of his sin, uh, is that he thought that the way, this is the Christian life, those that believed in Jesus, he thought that they were a dangerous sect, uh, a bunch of people that were actually um, a, a, a cult, right? And he took it upon himself that I'm gonna root out this cult and this is gonna be my calling to be zealous for God. I'm gonna wipe these people out. And he was ruthless, man. If you flip back in Acts chapter eight, the first Christian martyr, all right, this guy named Stephen, he was 
picked up stones and stoned to death just for believing in the name of Jesus and sharing the gospel. Well, you know who oversaw that? This man named Saul. So literally, uh, he has murdered a Christian, all right? Um, he is going into homes, and listen, man, woman, child, don't matter. He's kicking open doors. He's throwing them in prison. Don't matter. Ruthless. And like, you know, and that's the dangerous part of religion. Like, how could anyone think that that's okay? But he thought he was doing something for God, right? He thought he was doing God a service. But then in verse 3, everybody check this out. It says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice to him say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Verse 5, it says, who are you, Lord? Immediately when he meets Jesus, he knows there's something different here. He calls him Lord, and you don't even know who he is. And he says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Man, listen, when you hear the voice of God, when you hear Jesus, I guarantee you, man, Saul had to embrace some really, really hard realities. This man who was persecuting people, kicking open doors, overseeing these Christians. Listen, here's the deal. He had to deal with some hard realities, okay? Number one is this, Jesus was alive. This Jesus who he persecuted was alive. The second thing was this, he was a lost sinner. You know, he, he, he had followed the law to the best of his ability. He knew it. And yet when he met Jesus, he saw that, no, I'm a lost sinner. And anytime someone comes into the presence of God, everybody track with me here, okay? The response is always the same. And then he found that his own righteousness was like filthy rags before a holy God. Man, he'd, not, he'd come in riding high and pride on that horse of, man, I'm going to do this great thing for God. Look how big I am. Look how influential I am. I'm going to go and I'm going to do this thing. And listen, God knocked him right on his butt off that horse. Jesus knocked him right off, man. So listen, this is what the gospel does to us when we come face to face with Jesus. Take this with you. The gospel reveals the depth of our sin. It reveals the depth of our sin. Of, of Paul thought he was a righteous man. But when he came face to face with Jesus, it put him on the ground. It blinded him. Because listen, this is the deal about a holy God and the gospel. Listen, um, we are far worse than we think we are. Right? We, are, we are far worse than we think we are. Right? And in, in human terms, we measure sin by world standard. Well, well, at least I'm a good guy and I don't do this, or at least I, I do this right, and, and I'm, a, I'm a pretty good lady, pretty good person. But listen, when you're measured against perfection, man, that sin runs much deeper than the surface. It comes to a heart level. And listen, the, 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 the law that, that he followed so closely, we learn in the fullfold wisdom of the gospel, the law was never meant to be a doctor to save you. It's the x-ray machine to show you that we've been messed up. That's what he came. He was like, man, I have missed it. So you may be far worse than you think you are, but listen, I want you to take this with you. God, God's grace is far better than you think it is. God's grace is far stronger, more powerful than what you think it is. So listen, what the gospel does, because Paul was a religious man, a religious elite, like he knew the, the word and he knew uh, all this stuff and he tried to, to follow the law perfectly. Listen, the gospel reveals that religion is not relationship. Religion is not relationship. Uh, I want you to tell you how terrifying would it be to realize that you think you're doing something for God 
when you've been against God. Religion will make you persecute the very people God came to save. Religion will make you persecute and be ugly toward the very people that God came to rescue and restore. And man, that's what he was doing here, okay? But listen, when Saul met Jesus, everything changed. We're going to see this. God knocks him on his butt, and he immediately calls him Lord. I've heard the voice of Jesus. I see that now he is alive. He is the real thing, and he sends them on a journey. I cannot overstate the magnitude of this conversion. Listen, uh, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus is perhaps the greatest event in church history. After the coming of the Holy Spirit, he would go on, this guy who was killing Christians, murdering people, throwing them in prison, he would go on and preach the gospel and plant churches all over the ancient world. I mean, he was a force for the gospel. Listen, he wrote, listen, most of the New Testament letters you're holding in your hand or scrolling on your phone, he wrote them. This dude not only got it, man, he got it and he went immediately and did more for the gospel than we could have ever considered. But listen, I want you to think about it. As many consider him the greatest Christian missionary in the history of the world, would any of us pick Saul? Would any of us select it if you look at the whole world of like, hmm, who's set for doing some work for God? Saul? This dude kills Christians. He's the man that's too far gone, but listen to me. This is what I want to bring it back. I've seen it in my life. Jesus has the power to transform anyone. And he turned him around. So take this with you here. No one is too far gone. Maybe you're here today and, and you're, you're on the path that you feel like, man, I've just gone too far. I've done too much. There's no way God could change me. Listen, that is a bald-faced lie. If God can change Saul, he can change you. Right? It's just true, man. No one is too far gone. So we should live with a constant awareness, church. Everyone listen in. We should live with a constant awareness that God can save anyone. God can save anyone. Now pick up with me um, in, in verse 10. So, so what happens is Saul is sent to, to straight street. God tells him to go somewhere to meet a man. Now let's talk about the man he's going to meet. Verse 10. It says, in, in Damascus, there was a disciple, keyword disciple, okay, um, that, that was named Ananias. All right, the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. Come and place his hands on, come and place your hands, uh, place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man. He's saying, listen, God, you listening? Because I, I heard about this cat. This cat going to throw my butt in prison. You guys tracking? You, I don't think you, you hearing, right? He says what? He said, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to answer all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I wanna talk about the obedience of Ananias, right? So if you have much of a church background, Paul is the, I mean, Saul that's gonna become Paul, he is like the big picture of this passage, 
But I love the Bible because there's so many hidden nuggets. This guy named Ananias, his, his name means gift of the Lord, right? And what a gift he is to me and you. This may be the first time you've ever heard that name. But listen, I want you to think about a reality. The ministry of Paul doesn't exist without the obedience of Ananias. Man, the, the, the ministry of Saul becoming Paul, uh, God used a man by obeying, obeying his next step to lay his hands and Saul receiving sight. Right? It cannot be understated that God uses people. So what can we learn from Ananias? Because I want you to know something. If you know Jesus, if you've met him, right? Listen, you can be used by him. And what can we learn from Ananias? Number one, Ananias was available to God. Obviously, he was in the posture of prayer to hear from God. So God spoke to him in a vision. Warren Wiersbe said this, talking about prayer and wanting to be used in obeying God. Prayer is the autograph of the Holy Ghost upon a renewed heart. What that means is, is that prayer is, is a, a huge uh, evidence that, that we're in the posture to know God and be used by him. As he was praying, God spoke and gave him a next step. You know, we were talking about prayer. That just seems to be what God's wanting to say to us today. Uh, I know in my life, many times I'm too busy to be in the posture to hear from God. Man, and I know I see this. I'm like, God, what might you want to do if I give you more capacity in prayer? Another thing I want you to notice is this, is that that step of obedience was scary, right? It required faith. Have you ever, have you ever heard God or, or felt like God has given you a next step that is absolutely terrifying? Can I, can I get it? anyone in here? This right here is terrifying to me. <laughs> to come and do this, to, to resign from, from a job I love, to, to, to leave like a place I was comfortable, to go where I was sent. Man, it was scary. But listen, I want you to know something, okay? Just like Ananias was saying, God, are you sure? Listen to me. Uh, steps of obedience are often uncomfortable, but if God orders it up, listen, it will always be worth it. Obedience will always be worth uh, stepping in faith and going and doing and doing the thing. It, didn't, it made no worldly sense for Ananias to go to Paul. Man, that, that's, like, that's like going uh, to, to a, a known murderer, right? And just like bringing a cup of tea to sit down and have, have tea or something, right? It's just crazy. It made no worldly sense, but I want you to know something. Sometimes obedience to God makes no sense at all. It makes no worldly sense of all. But he had faith and he went and he placed his hands on this man. He did what God told him to do and Saul is gonna receive his sight. This is what I want you to know and think about with Ananias, okay? That step of obedience did more for the kingdom of God than Ananias could have ever dreamed. That one, you know, it doesn't seem like a big deal to just go pray with someone, you ever felt called to do that? Like God's, you know, just like we were talking about, to go pray, encourage someone. Um, you know, that just seems small, right? Like, you know, go and pray with this person. Listen, no step of obedience is a small deal to God. And he just came and he prayed and he received sight and he went and led millions. His fruit still goes on today to, to Christ. I'm reminded of the great minister Charles Spurgeon if many of you think you can't be used by God, man, I just don't have good social skills or I don't know enough or whatever your excuse may be, I'm reminded of the great Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century 
preacher. Many believe that he is the indeed the greatest preacher of the last few hundred years. I mean, unbelievable. An English preacher uh, who, who led huge congregations, led many to Christ. When he was 15 years old, uh, God began to deal with him. He began to wrestle in the deep things of his soul that he needed deliverance. He needed saving. Well, he got up one morning and there was a bad snowstorm. He said, man, I've got to get to church. I need something. So he gets up and he's going down the road to go to his church. And guess what? Roads are closed. Man, it snowed out. Man, I, I'll be honest with you. I probably would have just went back to the house. You guys tracking? So he takes the left. He goes into this little primitive Methodist church. All right, there's like 10 people in this thing. He goes and he sits down and he's ready to hear the pastor preach. Well, guess what? The pastor of that church got snowed in at his house. I mean, at this point, we need to cancel service, right? There's 10 people. We don't have a real preacher. Well, one of the laymen in the church, he got up there probably scared to death. He's not a qualified preacher, but he knew a passage. And what he read was Isaiah 45, 22. It says, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. And all he did is he just recited that verse. It's like a five, 10 minute sermon. And, the, and he felt the Lord compel him and he looked right there at Charles Spurgeon who just looked a mess, man. He needed to be delivered. And he said, young man, you look miserable. You need to look unto Jesus. And, and Charles Spurgeon said, in a moment, it was like scales fell from his eyes and he was gloriously saved by Jesus Christ. Man, man, and he went on and led thousands and thousands. Who's the hero? Is it Charles Spurgeon or is it the layman that just did what God told him to do? Man, it's everyday ordinary people that God uses to accomplish his purposes. Man, I want to tell you, you can be used. I'm reminded of my uncle's story of, man, all I did was just, um, just, just love and pray. But I didn't have the guts to pray for him in person. And man, these prayers weren't long. I just wrote in a journal. My friend Ronnie Smith, after Barry's funeral, he told me, he said, Buck, he came to the side and he said, man, I, I'm so overjoyed because at night I've been on my face and I've wept for his soul. When no one was watching, I pleaded for God to, to, to move in his life. I pleaded for God to save him. And man, praise God for Ronnie Smith taking his place and obeying the voice of the Lord. Man, thank you. I hope he listens to this. A great mentor in my life. Thank you for taking his place. But I say that taking his place in the kingdom. But what I want you to know, brother and sister, if you know Jesus, God has stories for you too. He wants to use you. No matter how small that step may be, he can use you to accomplish major, major purposes for the kingdom of God. But listen, we have to live with a constant awareness that God can save anyone. But listen, we need to live with a constant awareness that God can use anyone, including us. Including us. So, so listen, where we miss it, and a lot of times pastors miss it, is that everyone's sad because they're not Charles Spurgeon. Right? Or they're not um, Billy Graham. Listen, the goal of the Christian life is not to be famous. The goal of the Christian life is to be faithful. It's not the goal to be famous. It's the goal to be faithful. Just taking our next step because we may be the one that prays with, that disciples, that preaches to the very next Charles Spurgeon. Right? We may be the one that just prayed with them. So listen, it's not to be famous. It's to be faithful. So I ask you, what is God calling you to do? What is your next step? And what does that look like for you? Because I want you to know, never underestimate the power of one person brought to Christ. 
You never underestimate that. This whole thing is not about people up here. It's not about that. It is about God getting glory and the kingdom advancing. Listen, make decisions with the kingdom in mind, and you're going to land in good soul with the Lord. That's what it's all about. It's about giving God glory and advancing his kingdom. That's what we were designed for. That was our unique purpose. Listen, and listen, when we get connected to that, I'm telling you, man, it's living with the greatest joy this life has to offer. It's, it's great. It's amazing. So, man I, could, man, I could go on. 18 and 19, I want you to read it with me. Verse 18 and 19. So, so we see Saul meet Jesus. He's led to this place. We see Ananias listen to the voice of the Lord and go and pray and listen to this glorious conversion. It says immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. And listen, immediately he got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Could you imagine Saul, right, blinded for three days, and wrestling with the reality that he had been persecuting the living Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I know there's people in here, you think you're bad. Oh, you think you're, 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 you're a mess, that, that no one knows all this stuff. Or maybe some do, and you're like, man, I'm just messed up. I, I would venture to say no one in here has outright persecuted and murdered Christians. I don't, I don't think that's anyone's story in here. And listen, when, when Saul regained sight, when he received the Holy Spirit, when he was saved, it was totally wiped away. That's what the gospel does. It's all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our mistakes. It totally goes away. It's gone. I, I think about it like this. My, my wife and I, we have two, two older boys, and, and Devin, our oldest, um, we, we legally did an adult adoption. All right, and so um, before he came into our family, man, I, I'm just gonna be honest, like uh, his background and his family, they for generations have been a, a detriment to society. Drug use, stealing, just a, just a drain, dilapidate, I mean, just, just this huge debt, right? I mean, a debt to society of nothing but take, 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 nothing but me, 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 and he had inherited all this constantly in trouble, parents in trouble, all those sorts of things. And man, when we got the opportunity to bring him in and, and begin to minister to him, and he said, hey, I want to be a Benton. I, I want to be a Benton. I, I don't want this old life. I want to be a Benton. I, I want to be. We took him, when we gave him, this blew me away. He received a new name. His last name changed. Listen, he got a new birth certificate. In the eyes of the law, legally, it is like Carly birthed him. She is listed as mother. I didn't even know you could do that. Like, like all the debt, any debt he accrued from his past family, in the eyes of the government, it is gone. He is new. And now there is legally no obligation to go back to what was He's not responsible for that debt. Listen to me. When we come to faith in Christ and we receive the gospel, we are adopted into the family of God and you are no longer responsible for any past debt and any past sin. You get a new name. Man, you, you, you have a name that's written in heaven. And what I believe is this, like why would Saul get beaten? Why would Saul become Paul? Why would he plant churches even though the world hated him? 
Why would he go? Why would he suffer? Why would he continue to share the gospel? Listen, I believe because he realized what God had done for him, the new name he gave him, and he never got over it. He could not believe that God would cleanse him of all his sin. And as Paul goes on with his life, as you read the letters, you can see the humility growing of he remembers, God, just thank you for saving me. Saul is an example of the power of the gospel, the true gospel. The Bible tells us no one will see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. The the Bible tells us that we are a, a new creation, not something old. And what I want you to know is we live in a place where there are many false gospels out there, right? Maybe you've bought into the intellectual gospel. I can't be a Christian because I don't know enough. Well, listen, there ain't no studying up for it. When, When God comes and he says, yes, he calls you by name, you hear the gospel, there ain't no studying, you come. And he meets you there. Maybe for some it's the good old boy gospel. Your grandparents built a church or they built a bench somewhere or something. And it's like, oh, I'm just grafted into this thing, right? I come about once a month. Listen, there is no good old boy gospel. You don't need to get gooder. That's not a word, but listen, you don't need to get gooder. You need a relationship with Jesus. Maybe some have bought into the works-based gospel. This is what what Paul had. He was going to work and accomplish and kill and do these great things for God. Maybe you're constantly beat up because, like, man, I'm not doing enough. Listen, the gospel is not about getting better. It's not about trying. It's about trusting Jesus. It's not about rules. It's about grace. It's not, it's not the good old boy gospel. It's not the worst-based gospel. And listen, it's not the prosperity gospel. If you're coming here just to make your life better, to get a bigger house, you're going to be woefully disappointed. <laughs> and then lastly is the license to sin gospel. I prayed a prayer, no life change. I'm not different, but this prayer is just going to somehow graft me into heaven. Listen, that's the license to sin gospel. That's the wrong one. But the right one, what we see here in this story When we meet a Savior, listen, no one has ever met Jesus and looked the same. No one. You know, I think about the the chosen, if you've ever watched it, it's like the lady, she she was sharing her testimony. She said, all I know is I was one way and now I'm another. And the only thing that was in between was him, Jesus. (laughs) It was the only thing in between. That's what changed me. And so, man, I, I want you to remember this and know that today, this Mother's Day, Mothers, man, thank you for what you do. And man, I I can testify to my Uncle Barry being saved. God has a powerful ear and a heart for mothers that are praying for their children, right? As my my grandmother, who's who's in her mid-80s, man, we were talking this week. She had a surgery, and she just said, but be praying for me. I don't want to leave your papa, but man, I'm at peace. And if I have to go, man, I'm ready to see Barry. What a heart to have as a mother, Right, that God has a sensitive ear. But listen, I, I want you to know something, okay? No matter what you come from, where you are, maybe you feel isolated and resentful because you've had a bad experience at church. You probably met someone that's practicing one of these false gospels that made you feel less than, made you feel like you're not good enough. Maybe you didn't look like somebody in there. Maybe you weren't dressed right. Listen, don't let a poor representation keep you from meeting a perfect Savior. Listen, that, that's a lot of stories in here. I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating anything. This is on display for us to get. There are some cruddy representations out there, but we, we preach about a perfect Savior. 
who is alive and loves to reach people. So as I bring it in, listen, Saul's conversion so, shows us that anyone could be saved. Uh, have you met him? Has he come into your life? Is he first in your life? Don't let your junk and your past record keep you from being connected to Christ and Christian community. Don't let it, man. Bring it to, to Christ. And for those in the room that know Christ, Ananias' obedience led to kingdom growth far beyond what he could see. What is God calling you to do in this season? Prayer, you know, next step, um, getting baptized, heart and soul connect group, man, reading the Bible, whatever that looks like, man, Jesus not only comes to save us, but he comes to use us. And I delight in meeting men and people at 5.15 in the morning to show them God can use you. Man, I want you to know, do whatever God's put on your heart to do. So as I close this time, as I get ready to close this message, let's get ready to celebrate baptism well, right? Because these people have said yes to this gospel. They've said yes to Christ, and this is a public symbol of an inward change. But today, there may be a story that needs to start that God is calling you by name. And if he is, man, don't leave here without saying yes. Let's pray, church. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you for this. God, I thank you for the testimony of Saul becoming Paul, of getting a new heart and a new life. God, I just pray right now, if there's anyone here that's wrestling with God right now as I speak, Lord, and maybe they can relate with my Uncle Barry. Maybe they can relate with Saul. And they just felt like, man, this just isn't for me. Jesus is not for me. I'll come, I'll sit in church, I'll do the thing, but it's just not for me. He could never change my life. And today, we realize the goodness that, that, that Jesus can. And so today, if you'd say yes, I just want to, you say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to respond in faith. I'm just going to ask you, would you lift your hand? Is that anybody in the house of the Lord today that would say yes to Christ? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Is there anyone else that would say yes to Christ today? Thank you, Lord. And God, as we continue to pray, God, I pray that you administer us in this time where we worship you well in response to the gospel. And God, all of us, if we're called to pray, to come and, and, and whatever we're supposed to do in this time, God, I pray that you would give us the obedience to respond. And God, if it's, it's moving and taking a next step, God, I pray that you would do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.